Welcome to Calvary Conversations. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined uh, by Philip Dow for part two of an interview on the topic of intellectual virtues. Uh, Philip Dow has been the head of Roslyn Academy for 17 years, but he is also the author of a book called Virtuous Minds uh, that he um, produced to help give some language to uh, the concept of intellectual virtues and the research that he had been doing and that um, uh, on, on the topic of, I, I would say, what it means to form good intellectual habits and how to how to put language to that. Um, is that a good summary there of your of your of your book, Phil? Yeah, yeah, that is. Well, and speaking of summary, we, we want to go right in. We want to dive right into um, the the uh, the concept of intellectual virtues. I do encourage anyone listening to please go back and watch that first interview where we, we really flesh this out a little bit more. But um, briefly, again, Phil, just outline for us uh, if you could, you know, kind of maybe not quite your elevator pitch, but close to that, of yeah. what intellectual virtues are. Uh, why they're important, and maybe detail the intellectual virtues that you listed in your book, Virtuous Minds. Yeah, sure. So, so I think one thing that's really helpful is to, to think about intellectual virtue as being the good version of intellectual character. So intellectual character is something that we all have, and that is we, we all have habits of thinking, habits of mind that, be, that form the, the lens through which we do all of our thinking, all of our decision-making, all of our uh, critical thinking. Um, so we all have intellectual character. Some of us have habits that are negative. Um, some of us have habits that are positive. And intellectual virtue is the aim or the pursuit of intellectual character or uh, thinking habits, habits of mind that are, that are virtuous, that are positive, that are in the pursuit of truth. And it yields um, not just the pursuit of not just truth, but all kinds of other positives in our lives, whether it's through healthy relationships or, or success in your field or whatever it may be, these intellectual virtues um, are, are a, um, a foundation for a, a flourishing life. And as for Christians in particular, the intellectual virtues are a, a wonderful explanation of what it means to love God with your mind. It is, you know, we talk about moral virtue as Christians. This, these are things that we want to aspire to, and these are Christ-like attributes. Um, the same thing applies for intellectual virtues, um, and I'll, I'll give you a few examples. So um, the seven that we talk about at Roslyn in terms of virtues, and other people have nine or, or up to 13 sometimes, but seven that we've chosen at Roslyn are intellectual humility, uh, intellectual honesty, uh, intellectual fair-mindedness, uh, intellectual curiosity, carefulness, courage, and I've forgotten one. How embarrassing is that? Um, I think I've given you six, but anyways. Right? Did you say sorry? tenacity? Tenacity? I did say tenacity. Thank you. Yes, intellectual tenacity is, is the seventh that we've chosen. Um, and if you take each one of these, and I can't obviously go into all seven of them, but let's take intellectual tenacity as an example. Um, it is self-explanatory. It is the habit of mind um, that someone has who wants truth so much that they're willing to push through challenges or obstacles um, uh, in the pursuit of truth. Um, and, uh, and so, so intellectual tenacity is something that, that um, we develop over time. 
um, and hopefully from a young age, and we and we build so that so that by the time someone is is an adult, let's say they're they're a researcher, whatever they're doing in their career, um, they have this built-in habit of pushing through in their pursuit of truth, um, and it yields all kinds of fruits in their life, um, uh, uh, relationally, vocationally, um, holistically. Right. Right. Now. Um the intellectual virtues also aren't, you know, what fascinates me constantly about them when I teach them um, and uh, when I uh, reflect on them in my own practice is they, they aren't really siloed into separate skills, are they? they? They really have a lot of overlap. If you could kind of explain some of that too, that might be helpful. Yeah, no, that's that's really true. What, what you find is when you start practicing or giving attention to one of the virtues, Almost always, other virtues come along um, as part of the package because they, they affect each other. So if you're if you're an intellectually curious person, for instance, um, uh, that curiosity is only going to be as powerful as your intellectual tenacity. So so if if you think about all these different virtues, how they encourage each other um, in the in the virtuous sense, and how they can also be a negatives. If you have instead of let's say intellectual fair-mindedness, you, you're an intellectually biased person, where well, we all are biased to some extent. Um, but uh, but, but the, 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 the vices can also act as kind of a negative drag on your, on your intellectual character. One, one thing I'd, I'd say on that too is, if you were to, to sum up intellectual virtue in one kind of uh, idea, it is the character traits or the habits of mind that come from a pursuit of truth. So intellectual virtue, all these virtues are just the natural byproducts of a pursuit of truth. Um, and, uh, and the more you do that, the more you build. It's like, um, you know, working out, working your, your muscles. The, the more you strengthen your muscles, uh, the, the more uh, um, you're going to see the benefits in, in th throughout your life in terms of health and, and everything else. So when you think of, you know, we, I want to transition because the majority of the interview that we do today I really want to focus on how you've taken these intellectual virtues and integrated them into your curriculum at, at Roslyn. Um, and if you could describe, there has to be something uh, like philosophical here. I mean, there is something, there's, basic, uh, there's a basic philosophical difference when you approach an education curriculum saying, we want students to develop these virtues um, as opposed to just learning certain information, right? And can, can you kind of summarize or, or give an overview of uh, why it's so important and maybe how you would define the integration of intellectual virtues into an educational curriculum? Yeah, um, so I, I, let me kind of uh, interpret your question. Um, and, and what I hear you saying is, how is a, a virtue-based curriculum or educational program different from maybe a non-virtue-based uh, or, or a, a traditional or typical classroom setting? Is that good? let's let's do that? Yeah, let's take that. Okay. Let's take that. Mm -hmm. So 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 if if uh, if we frame the question that way, I would say that what what we find and and maybe you're right. I, I think I think that wasn't exactly what you're asking. But let me go with this, and we'll we'll, we'll see where this where this leads. But. Um, what we find at Roslyn is, and <laughs> any good education 
is going to have the pursuit of truth as part of it in some way. Okay. And to that extent, any education is going to have the seeds for developing intellectual virtue. Okay. So, so that theoretically that's, that's the case. So if you find a great classroom uh, doing some um, unusual curriculum and unusual philosophy, but, but the pursuit of truth is part of that, you're going to have the virtues being uh, included in that, even though they aren't described or named or there's any attention brought to them, but they will inevitably be part of it. Okay. Having said that, most education today, I, you know, as I was preparing for this discussion, I went back and looked at some university mottos um, uh, to, to go back and say, okay, when we talk about education, what was the what does education mean? You know, what did it mean in the 1600s, 1700s? And you go back, you know, Harvard's motto is veritas, which is truth. Yale's motto is uh, uh, truth and light, okay, or light and truth, okay? Um, and one thing I found is really interesting, and I, I don't know if it's even here in front of me, but um, uh, University of West Virginia, of all places, their, their motto, if I can find it, because it's just excellent, um, it is add, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Okay, that's the University of West Virginia. Wow. I mean, that, that is scripture, you know, right there for us. And it talks about the pursuit of truth or knowledge, okay, being the thing that, that is the aspiration of education. Now, to the extent that education is that way, the virtues are a natural um, fit. But education today oftentimes has goals that are not, um, they're not anti-truth, although that could be argued in some cases too, but, but their goals are, 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 are tangential to truth. It's developing skills for the marketplace or, or, uh, or developing a kind of a, a worldview that, that promotes activism or, or justice, let's say. Um, so, so education can have a whole bunch of different goals. It can be to, to get um, a good education so you can get wealthy and, or to get a good job or to be powerful or to be influential or, or whatever it may be. To the extent that those are the goals of education, either stated goals or implied goals, that um, intellectual virtue will be lost um, because virtues come with the pursuit of truth. Um, and when there's another pursuit that's this, this uh, primary, then then uh, if in other words, if, if knowledge is is not the if truth is not the end, um, uh, if there's other ends, then the means will also be corrupted by whatever the end is. So if the goal is power, then you're going to do whatever it gets, whatever it takes to get to power. If the goal is is uh, um, skills, then you're going to pursue skills. And truth may or may not uh, come along for the ride. Um, where if, if, the, if the purpose of education is, as Christians, loving God with our minds and the pursuit of, of God's truth, then, then that is naturally going to be um, bringing along the virtues. It will be less successful if we don't name them and be uh, self-conscious about developing them, but, but it'll still be, you're starting off with a healthier, um, a healthier uh, foundation for education. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. So, so would you say that the current, um, and I wouldn't necessarily say traditional education systems, let's, let's say our current education systems in the U.S., do you think that they are well set up to develop intellectual character, or do you, do you see them as largely problematic in the ways, in some of the ways that you just described? Yeah, you know, I, I, I would say that I'm not a, a doomsdayer, 
um, in the sense that all education, current education is, is a waste of time or, or putting kids down the wrong path. I, I would say there's significant flaws in our current educational culture and, and curriculum and mission. Um, but, but what I'd say is if I go to any, any good classroom, any good teacher who, who is really trying to inspire thinking, um, and I think about, for instance, the IB program, you know, there's a lot of strengths with the International Baccalaureate program. They have the, a, a learner profile. And if you look at the learner profile, there are a lot of the virtues that, that we aspire to as well. Um, and, and it's because what they're trying to do is, you know, the catchphrase from, for a generation at least has been lifelong learners. Okay. That, that's, a, that's a noble aim. Um, and uh, um, now what does it mean to be a lifelong learner? Well, you have a whole variety of definitions for that. And sometimes it can be a pretty empty cliche because really um, the pursuit is these skills or this set of, of content that will get them to the next level. It's not necessarily about learning and growing. So intellectual virtue is much more concerned with how we learn and who we become as learners than it is about content. Now, having said that, content is very, very important, <laughs> um, obviously, because content, truth is made up of content and content, you know, so, so it's not like it's, it's enough, some of the progressive educators are, well, let's not worry about content. Let's worry about, you know, these skills or, or whatnot. Um, intellectual virtue is saying, no, content is, it is part of the truth that we're pursuing um, and, and, it's, and it's a good thing. So, so to sum up what I'm trying to say is wherever good learning or whether, wherever there is a teacher that is pursuing truth and encouraging their kids to wrestle and, and to struggle towards the pursuit of truth, there is gonna be um, education happening that is deeply aligned with the pursuit of intellectual virtue. So that, that can and should happen, even in the secular learning environment. In fact, there's a lot of secular schools that are, are picking up on this idea. It's a little less rich because it's, it's divorced from what I think is, is the ultimate um, uh, meaning and, and foundation um, for these virtues, and that is loving God with our minds and honoring, honoring our creator through the pursuit of, of his truth. Um, but there still is... You know, there's general revelation, I think, as I mentioned last time, and, and we see that whenever there's good learning happening in any environment. Right, right. I, I love what you're saying there because um, we don't throw out the, uh, we don't throw out content in favor of intellectual virtues, I mean, or intellectual character. Uh, the studying of content, though, sits within that. Yes. And I, I think, I think we have to challenge ourselves, too. I think every, edu every educator has an overarching philosophy. Uh, whether it be uh, social justice or social betterment or um, just covering material, this is what it means to know, you know, to have knowledge in this field or whatever, right? That um, that will be the lens through which uh, they view their classroom and through which all their teaching is constructed and conducted. And I, you know, that that to me was a, um, I don't know, a great revelation of this book was what if I developed my learning around intellectual virtues, around character, um, and my teaching sat within that as opposed to uh, uh, those sort of being incidental or accidental almost uh, outcomes of, of my teaching. Let, let's talk specifically about how you have integrated this into um, a high school environment. Tell us about the structure uh, and, and boy, I can imagine when you first began this, did it, 
did it just fundamentally change your normal framework of education or does it work well with approaches that are tried and true mm -hmm. yeah yeah so um yeah what we've actually done i mean we actually because we're a k-12 school so our thinking was character development can happen throughout our life. You can, you can be 75 years old, 85 years old, and still be developing your character. But the older you get, the more your kind of ruts of habit are ingrained and the harder it is to, to, to vary out of those. But it is possible. And, and certainly as Christians, we believe that God can do amazing things in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. But, but, but we also recognize that when those habits are being developed at a young age, that's where we want to get in and start to encourage these virtues like intellectual tenacity and uh, intellectual fair-mindedness, intellectual courage, you know. Um, and so we've actually spent a lot of time investing in our elementary school and the integration of intellectual virtue in the elementary school. And, and now we're K through 12. But I think if you were to come to Ross and you'd say, wow, there's a lot in the elementary school and a lot going on in high school, but it's built on um, uh, the the earlier stages. So, so your question is, how um, uh, has it changed um, the way we do education or the structure, or what it, does it look different from from what we looked like before we started um, this? And and I'd say there are um, in some ways there there there's there are clear differences um, and. And I think for definitely for the better. Um, uh, and in some cases, um, a good classroom looks very similar to what it did before we introduced um, intellectual virtue in that they were already pursuing truth and the teacher was already um, challenging kids, even though they didn't call it intellectual virtue. They were already encouraging kids to ask good questions and to be courageous enough to raise their hand and to, to, to listen fairly to, to their fellow students. So anywhere that good teaching is happening, you're going to see this. Now, what's been different for us and has been extremely powerful, I think, is the use of the language of intellectual virtue. Because like I said, good teaching is doing intellectual virtue probably in some way. But what happens when you put a name to it is it gives students hooks upon which to hang um, their, their experiences of, of pursuing these virtues. They're, they suddenly start seeing virtue where they didn't see it before and they see it and can call it out in their peers. Um, uh, they, they can see it modeled and they start to value it. They see, oh yeah, I, I see this student. You know, Joe is a really fair-minded student. Joe um, listens fairly and, and, and so as a result, the dis class discussions are so much more rich because Joe is really listening and he's asking good questions, okay? And it changes the classroom environment. I want to be like Joe. Um, and, and I know what Joe is doing because the teacher has pointed out that Joe is intellectually fair-minded. You know, Joe, I really appreciated the fact that you're listening well um, uh, um, to your suits and you're, and you're, and you're trying to, um, to take uh, an argument that you disagree with strongly and give it the benefit of the doubt, you know, so, so that you can see where, where their argument is. Um, that, that's one fundamental shift. It just simply using the language of intellectual virtue has brought um, a richness to what was already a good classroom environment. Um, and it's also raised the bar for classrooms who maybe weren't asking good questions or weren't pursuing um, the virtues. They were more um, just skill or fact-based classes. 
Um, where we talk about these virtues, there's a recognition that, you know what, these virtues to, to, to do this, a, a classroom environment that is pursuing intellectual virtue or pursuing truth requires depth as opposed to breadth. And so there, there's the, a willingness or an acceptability to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to take a little bit longer and we're going to dig deeper because um, I want my students to wrestle with this. I want them to ask questions that maybe they wouldn't have asked um, if we were just rushing through to get the content. Um, and, and, it's, and it's challenged teachers to rethink what is important in, in, uh, in the lesson. Um, is it worth going, uh, spending a little bit longer on this to, to allow students to, to stretch their intellectual virtue muscles? Um, and uh, so, so depth over breadth has been one result. Um, uh, but, but the fundamental shift is obviously what, what is the goal? Is the goal that our students at the end of their um, time at Roslyn, that they have a set body of information that they take with them? Or is the goal to produce a certain type of person, a certain type of thinker um, that, you know, it's, it's, it's the classic, you know, uh, cliche, but it's an important one. You know, you uh, uh, give a person a fish and they, however they can eat for a day or whatever, teach them how to fish and they'll, you know, be fed for a lifetime or, or whatever, however it goes. Well, intellectual virtue applied to education is the same way. If, if our goal is to say at the end of, of their high school, they know, you know, uh, they've taken chemistry and, and biology and um, and they'll forget that by the way in 10 minutes after they graduate or um, now they won't forget it all that's you know I don't want to be cynical but 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 they'll forget a lot of the content but hopefully what they won't forget is is and, and what will change them forever is these habits they developed in the pursuit of truth in in your school um, that they will take and apply to everything else that they do whether it's having conversations with their spouse or whether it's in their workplace um, wherever it is um, those habits of thinking um, can be life transforming there's a, um, a writer, a secular writer um, named Ron Richard, who's done a lot of writing with Making Thinking Visible. Um, that's one of his, his well-known books. Um, and he has a great quote in a book that he wrote called Intellectual Character, which is 2002. Um, and uh, he's from Harvard, Harvard's Project Zero. And, and, and he basically says, you know, what is the per what's the goal of education? Um, is it that they'll learn all this stuff? And he says, no, they'll probably forget it. But at the end, what will stick with them are habits, habits of thinking, habits of mind. And really, he's talking about um, the virtues um, from a secular perspective, but, but again, from a perspective that we, can, that we can affirm strongly. So you do go into a bit of um, the integration of intellectual virtues uh, in your book, Virtuous Minds, there, mm -hmm. there's at least one chapter I remember at the, at the end that deals with that. Mm -hmm. I would love to see a, a, and this is just a suggestion for the future, uh, a, a book that addresses curriculum design from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, I was yeah. radically changed by the book Understanding by Design by Grant uh, Wiggins and uh, Wiggins and McTie are the two authors that put that out because it, it, it really addresses uh, uh, coverage as one of the sins of education, right? We, we, we cover material and we do a lot of activity, the twin sins of education, uh, which are, are not bad, but if they're devoid of being connected to an underlying pursuit of understanding, uh, it, they, they're, yes. they're just sort of, uh, they're yes. not as 
impactful in the long term. I would love to see intellectual character uh, uh, meshed in with that or part of that discussion. So this is a, just a suggestion to you. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it, and it's, a, it's, it's a great suggestion. And, um, so let, let me uh, kind of highlight a couple things. I'm really glad you brought this up. So, so Jason Baer, who um, is really kind of, I would say the world's leading um, voice on intellectual virtue development or intellectual character development. He's a professor at Loyola Marymount and, and a, actually a good friend of mine um, he, and also an evangelical Christian. In fact, that's kind of part of what um, got, he's a philosopher and, and this is what got him into intellectual virtue. He's just written a book, should be coming out shortly, that is a very practical um, look at implementing or integrating intellectual virtue into a school. It goes into much more detail than, than mine is. Mine is meant to kind of uh, explain what the concept of intellectual character and intellectual virtue is and show how important it is for our lives. Um, and he's then now taken the work of Intellectual Virtues Academy in Los Angeles um, and, and his own research and his own writing and, and has, has produce a book, I think it's in uh, Routledge Press, or I don't remember which press it is. Anyways, it's coming out soon. So if you look for Jason Baer, B-A-E-H-R, um, he should have a book coming out very soon that will do a good job on how to do this well. But you mentioned understanding by design. Um, and and uh, there's there's a um, Dakar Academy in Senegal. It's another school that, that we're partnering with a lot on this discussion. Um, and I was up there along with uh, um, David Church, who's also um, a co-author of Making Thinking Visible. Um, and and they're seeing the same connection that you just brought out, is how um, the, the principles of understanding by design as a, as a model for, for teaching and learning or as a framework and intellectual and the pursuit of intellectual virtue are deeply um, and intimately naturally um, uh, um, mutually supportive um, and, and, and they fit together well. And so as, as for Christian educators, the, the idea that these two concepts can really be transformative in the way that we think about learn, teaching and learning. Um, and, uh, and so, so, these are ideas that are germinating and people are seeing the connect, same connection that you're seeing. Um, there's a very rich uh, potential for Christian education to be um, uh, not just um, a distinctive, but distinctively, um, uh, you don't want to say superior, but yes, like where, where, where we can offer a rich, a richness in terms of the type of education, the way we're going about learning, that, that can be um, really a light um, to the field of education. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a really exciting set of connections, and I'm glad you you brought those out. Well, I hate to uh, to to stop this conversation because it's it's so rich, but um, I'm I'm really actually planning on sharing this uh, interview in particular, not just on the Calvary Conversations. Uh, a, a, a website and 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 podcast, but to my own uh, education uh, students in in my courses at Calvary, because I really I really just think this is a, something we need to be talking about a lot more. Um, ultimately, character is the goal of our 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 walk with God, even uh, of sanctification. It is for renewing of, of of the person of the of the mind of the of the inner being. And boy, I just think, I, I just think that you really have um, 
given some great language to help us understand that. So thank you so much for your work, Bill, on this. And again, I encourage anyone listening to pick up and read the book Virtuous Minds. You'll find it on Amazon. Uh, and it's it's a great read and a great entry point into this. And Phil, again, a compliment to you. It is written in such a way that it is not heady. Uh, it is very well organized and um, very accessible in terms of its understandability. It's not just for uh, the high intellectual, but it's it's for uh, those of us who want to develop that character in ourselves and in the people that we disciple and impact. So thank you again, Philip, uh, very much. Thank you for listening to Calvary Conversations. This is a service of Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Calvary Conversations, a service of Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. We invite you to participate in the conversation by contacting us through the Calvary University website, calvary.edu, or by calling us at 816-322-0110. Join us again next week for another Calvary Conversation.